Morena, and welcome to the Dawn Chorus. I'm Bernard Hickey. This is my daily podcast that goes out with my email newsletter via Substack to paid subscribers, in which I look at the political economy, not just here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, but around the world, with a particular focus on housing, unaffordability, climate change in action, and child poverty reduction. Today I wanted to look again at what's going on with our Reserve Bank and the growing chorus of criticism over the bank's actions in the last couple of years, and in particular the last sort of year and a half after COVID. This morning, the former governor of the Reserve Bank, the previous governor, Graham Wheeler, who was there for one term, under the previous national government, has come out in a, an 18-page paper with Bryce Wilkinson, who is a fellow of the New Zealand Initiative, in a long, detailed critique of not just the Reserve Bank of New Zealand, but all, pretty much all central banks that uh, printed uh, upwards of $9 trillion in a matter of a year and a half or so after covid which they claim has led to um, significant inflation and was in effect a big mistake by central banks who let inflation get out of control, who weren't focused enough on keeping inflation down and who uh, in effect were arrogant and didn't understand how the global economy worked and relied too much on their existing models. Uh, now, we have pretty much every central bank governor uh, still alive in New Zealand who has criticised the current Reserve Bank. We have inflation at 7.3%. That's, of course, way outside the 1% to 3% band that the Reserve Bank is supposed to keep inflation in over the medium term, with a, a particular focus on keeping it around 2%. And um, the criticism is mounting not just from Graham Wheeler, but we've obviously had Don Brash, the original governor of the current version of the Reserve Bank of New Zealand, the one that's credited with uh, bringing in independent inflation targeting into the world of central banking. Uh, he was there uh, for the longest period. Uh, and then after that, we had Alan Bollard. Now, Alan Bollard is the only... <laughs> Reserve Bank Governor Alive, who hasn't yet criticised uh, the current Reserve Bank under Adrian Orr. And that's, I suspect, um, uh, one of the reasons uh, he has not yet done that, uh, if he were to. And I don't know that he is privately critical of the Reserve Bank, but he's currently the Infrastructure Commission Chair. So even if he wanted to criticise the Reserve Bank, it's highly unlikely he would given ultimately his boss, Grant Robertson, effectively, is also effectively the, gov the governor of the Reserve Bank, Adrian Orr's current boss. So the criticism is mounting. Uh, for those who want a, a deeper look at my views on what's gone on here, uh, I wrote a longer piece uh, looking at... Um, Who's to blame, if you like, for the high inflation last week after those inflation numbers? My view here is that the removal of the LVRs in 
April of 2020, the continued printing of money, particularly through the second half of 2020 and through the first half of 2021, the ongoing uh, uh, lending of cheap money to banks to encourage lending, uh, and the um, uh, late, I suppose, uh, decision to tighten monetary policy uh, and in particular not to quickly sell back all the bonds that it bought through its money printing program. That's my main criticism. I don't necessarily share the orthodox view that uh, the central bank governors somehow forgot their main task, which was to beat inflation. Got to remember that uh, Graham Wheeler, as well as other central bank governors before uh, the COVID crisis, were criticised for having inflation too low and for not uh, uh, correctly seeing the deep deflationary pressures that have been in the global economy for a couple of decades, in which I don't think have actually gone away. In the paper, uh, Bryce Wilkinson and Graham Wheeler argue that there has been a some sort of permanent supply shock and that uh, these stagflationary pressures that we're seeing at the moment of both high inflation and lower growth are uh, starting to bed in. I don't see that at this stage, given we've actually got 3.2% unemployment. And although it's true that recessions are likely later this year, early next year, no one is suggesting any sort of very sharp recession that would dramatically increase unemployment to the sort of levels we saw in the 70s and 80s, when there was a stagflation problem of both double-digit inflation and, in many cases, double-digit unemployment. So I think the jury's out yet on uh, whether or not the um, tide has completely turned on inflation. And I think that it's worth being particularly specific about criticism of the Reserve Bank and other central banks. I certainly think that uh, money printing, quantitative easing as it's called, has turned out to be a uh, monetary policy error, but it's also been a big social policy error in that it effectively used monetary policy to make the wealthy even wealthier, has worsened inequality, and in the long run will actually make it harder to achieve the Reserve Bank's inflation goals, I think, because widening inequality uh, further drags down on prices and economic activity and productivity. Because the bigger the share of wealth that is concentrated into fewer and fewer hands, the less likely that that wealth will be deployed productively in real businesses. Uh, because people who are uh, very, very wealthy and have been for a long time tend not to take risks. Their main aim is wealth protection, not wealth creation. And so you get a lot of money put aside into bank accounts, into stable, I could call, you could call dead assets like um, you know, gold, uh, crypto, and uh, a whole bunch of treasury bonds, where in effect um, the very wealthy are 
keeping their risks low. They may be elderly, they're certainly rich and they don't need to own, earn a lot more. And in effect, uh, they're betting that the safest thing on the planet is a government. The tragedy of all of this, of course, is that um, our governments have been trying to restrict their spending and investment for 30 years. And despite the encouragement of the world's wealthy, have not gone out there and invest, invested and spent. So uh, I, th I think the critics can be criticised as well, but certainly the pressure is mounting. And I think one of the most interesting political moments of the next um, year to 18 months here will be whether or not the opposition ask for the government not to reappoint Adrian Orr for a second term. Because that reappointment moment is due quite close to the so-called takeover period before an, sorry, the so-called um, caretaker period just before an election, where the government is not supposed to make long-term appointments uh, because otherwise it risks you know, lumping uh, one of their people, so to speak, on the incoming government. And the opposition has not been particularly thrilled so far with Adrian Orr. They haven't actually come out and said they wouldn't reappoint him or they don't want him reappointed in that caretaker period. But this will be an interesting decision for Grant Robertson come the end, towards the end of next year. So we're talking July through September of next year. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was the... Dawn Chorus, my daily podcast with my email newsletter via uh, my Substack, uh, the Kaka for paid subscribers. Kakite anō.